The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, here for your Zomia 1 Underground Wednesday Q&A, the only way... How about that for rhyming? The only way you can do this is if you are a member of that, but of course you're only hearing this because you are a member of the Zomia 1 Underground, and I thank you for that. Um, Just want to bring up, I know a lot of people have brought to my attention concerns around the Podbean app and all this. Um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, I hear you. And, you know, if something has to change in the future, fine. But right now, like we are going hardcore on Podbean. Okay. Uh, And for for varying reasons, um, if it gets really that bad, or if I somehow find out that, holy shit, people just absolutely will not put up with it anymore. It, whatever. I mean, maybe the, again, the only other option you got to understand, I'm not going back to Patreon. In fact, now I am releasing content not on like I'm, I'm, there is stuff that I'm only putting on the Zomia one underground and not on Patreon, you know, that's only going on Podbean. Um, just got to get away from that platform. And the only other option that I really consider viable is if I self host right now, that's not like a viable thing for me to do right now. But I mean, it's something that I am considering, you know, I'll, I'll keep it in mind. But I mean, I can't keep moving around everybody, you know, from platform to platform. I mean, it's just not fair to you. Uh, This was a pretty big shift and it's not, you know, already quite a few of you have come on board. So it it really like I don't think it would make a whole ton of sense to, you know, do another shift right now. And again, that's not even really viable anyway for varying reasons. So anyway, uh, enough of that, (laughs) enough of that opening. I just want you to know that I hear you. Um, I, some of the issues, little issues that I've heard were like the Podbean app will restart and you'll lose your position and things like this. Um, I have seen those happen a couple times as well. Uh, I am reaching out to Podbean pretty regularly with what I hear from you, you know, because I want this to work and I actually really want it to work with Podbean, uh, because it is, well, it's, it's the best financial deal I can get right now, as far as like running an entire network, it's about the best thing going. So anyway, um, yeah, I just, I just want you to know that I hear you, that I'm not like in the dark on this and, and that I'm aware, you know, that there might be some issues, but again, the, I mean, and, and you can tell me if, I mean, a lot of, you know, I know a lot of, or I, I really, I will just spend another minute on this. Okay. And then that's it. A lot of people, you know, were wanting like cryptocurrency options for this. And I, I would really love to facilitate that. Okay. Um, the platforms that have been out there that were supposed to be alternatives for Patreon that are based on cryptocurrency. A lot of those are already falling away. They're already like, they've already failed basically. Um, and I sort of expected that. Okay. Uh, I really want to run with, you got to understand Podbean's been around for over a decade. It's one of the OG original podcast platforms that doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but it does mean, well, it's probably not going to go anywhere next week. Okay. Uh, so as to where, you know, going with anything else, third party, I am just not confident in that. And I would have to, again, I can self-host, but understand this too, the bandwidth of that, you know, where that becomes a little bit of a challenge. And I say that because, I mean, we're talking around, you know, thousands and thousands of people downloading every episode from this network 
that's a lot, you know, for, for any just simple, shall we say, I mean, any singular like internet connection that actually isn't uh, some kind of server farm, frankly, I mean, that, 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 that can be quite a bit. It can be, I'm not saying that it's not practical. I'm just saying that it can be. So that's something that would require a ton of thought and how I want to set it up. I could, I can do it. I've planned for it in the past. Um, but right now just if we can get the, the kinks worked out with Podbean, you know, uh, that would really be the best solution to go with at this time. So anyway, we'll see what happens in the future, but I don't want to keep shifting everybody around. I, I'm, I'm tired of doing that. I want something that works and lasts and just goes and does what it does. So now, I, I mean, also I recognize that I could just get control of the RSS feed and kind of switch that around. And then it doesn't matter what I switch to your RSS feed would never change. Um, that's something that I'm kind of considering to do, but again, the issue becomes the payment processor, right? That's where the art, just having like a common RSS feed isn't going to really solve that. All right. So, and that's, that's always been really the issue and look, folks, I want to make money doing this. I mean, I do a lot, you know, and a lot of it, I put out there totally for free and I'm happy to do that, but I would like to, I would like to make money off of doing this. Uh, I mean, I have sponsors, I have all this, I have the Zomi one underground members who I love you. You know that you're executive producers of the show for fuck's sake. And you get to control so much of the content that happens, uh, as far as like bonus content and even what happens within the, uh, you know, the prime shows or the, you know, the, the, the free shows, uh, as well. So anyway, I just want to give you a heartfelt thank you. If you've had challenges with Podbean, I apologize for those. Uh, and it is something that I am working on just so you know. Okay. Let's, let's really move on from that. Uh, got a, got a beautiful email with a bunch of questions. Um, I enjoy this nice little single shot email and we'll kind of go down the whole thing. Uh, even though there was a reply to this email, but we'll talk about that. And this email is actually coming from the host of the Lulberts, that being Jim Jesus, who is a longtime supporter of this show and uh, always honored uh, by that. So just as we've done in, uh, well, I think it was two, three weeks ago we did, where we got one long, beautiful email with a bunch of questions and just went over the whole thing. Um, I really like that. Uh, I mean, that, that was that was a lot of fun. So let, let's do that with this one. Um, get these out of the way. And please feel free to continue to send in, to your, send in your questions, bbs at SovereignTech.com. You can email me straight. Send me your questions. Uh, some of you have sent some other beautiful emails. Uh, a lot of great birthday wishes. I am really honored by that. Thank you so much. Um, I had a I had a, a fantastic uh, birthday weekend that uh, well <laughs> went a lot longer than I think maybe I was initially uh, expecting. And so uh, that's partly why Sovereign Tech came out later uh, this week. Again, all this stuff will get on a more regular schedule. Obviously, you know. I am uh, uh, shifting things up, you know, life-wise uh, in a very real way, which you all know about on the Zomi One Underground. So, yeah, so th there you have that. Anyway, let us, uh, you know, but the Sovereign Tech train and the Zomi One train will keep on rolling. You never have to worry about it. Uh, even if it doesn't come out on the exact day that it's supposed to come out to, you never get less than, you know, four episodes a month and, and so on. So, okay, let's get into the questions here. So I'll start reading the email. Um, I figure I should ask a bunch of questions considering I have a lot to ask and this is from Jim Jesus and you could use them, uh, use them all in one show or stretch them out over a few. Doesn't matter. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so we'll do them all in one show here. Number one. You've been dogging the Marvel films recently, and I could not disagree more. Ooh, 
there were a lot of down moments in the MCU that were giving me some fatigue. Though I did like Rag- Ragnarok, that being Thor Ragnarok, um, I was feeling that fatigue pretty strong until Infinity War and Endgame. I not only think they were great Marvel movies, but some of the best movies I'd ever seen. You also didn't seem to like the DC movies sans Wonder Woman, and I also agree. Uh, I didn't even bother with Aquaman, but Shazam was pretty good. You said that you wouldn't see them, but has anyone convinced you otherwise? If not, why? Um, okay, so quick on this. Uh, I mean, I, I loved Aquaman. I thought Aquaman was phenomenal. Um, I have not seen Shazam. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> I, and, and I know, I know end games out there. Uh, I haven't seen those. Uh, I'll tell you, or as you know, it's only one underground members. Um, cause you've heard some of the reviews so far. Um, I have gone and seen the, uh, they did the re-release of the original Batman quadrilogy, the original Batman four films, you know, the two Tim Burton ones, then the two Joel Schumacher films. I mean, anytime, you know, anytime that I, <laughs> that I feel bad about Marvel movies. And then I watch a movie like Batman and Robin. <laughs> and you go, no, you know what? The fucking Marvel movies are Citizen Kane. These are great. <laughs> that is so horrible. Uh, I am. Here's the thing. I, I am so disillusioned with, you know, what's ruining movies for me and what's ruining like a lot of entertainment for me. Uh, and I, I know further on in this email, he gets into some of this cause he asks about Star Trek discovery or he talks about Star Trek discovery and, oh man, talk about something that's depressing. Um, the media, okay. The news media around just in general, fuck, but that anybody that even bothers to talk about these movies and whatever, like it is, it is so ugly. I really, really miss the days of where the news about a new movie coming out was just like a single paragraph on a single page in the back of Starlog or Cinescape magazine. And I remember those days. I was there. You know, I was a teenager. I remember The Matrix. Can you believe it? The Matrix, when that was coming, was that 98? When that was coming out, Okay. Nobody had a fucking clue what the hell that was going to be. And I actually, I would argue you couldn't really, I mean, one of the most brilliant bit of marketing, even though it was actually accurate. Okay. One of the most brilliant pieces of marketing was in the, the TV spots and the trailers for the matrix. You got the quote from Morpheus where he says, nobody can be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. That is so true. You could, before the matrix came out, you could not explain that movie to people. I mean, that, that movie literally evolved people's minds. I mean, it absolutely did. It was that great. And I can't believe that we're, or no, no, sorry. This is 99, wasn't it? Because it's the, uh, what are we on? The, the, the 20th anniversary or whatever. No. Um, anyway, you know, this year, cause it was, it was May, right? It was, or I'm sorry, March, end of March that that came out in 99. Anyway, I mean, it was, it was amazing, you know, the, 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 the matrix, but The only thing I remember, and I remember like that you could possibly find out about the matrix coming out was you had to read in the back of Cinescape magazine. And there was a little blurb about a paragraph talking about the Wachowskis who made the movie bound great movie, by the way. Um, and you had like one picture of, uh, Trinity in her leather sleeveless outfit, you know, kicking someone's butt pretty much, or, or like talking to like maybe doing that and then, and talking to, to, uh, you know, to Neo, to Keanu Reeves. That's all you got. And that was 
That was your incentive as a genre fan, you know, like a science fiction, comic book movies, whatever. That's what Cinescape would cover for you to go see this movie. Um, the trailer, of course, helped out. And at the time, trailers were a lot more honest. Trailers weren't so much a science. Uh, they were in, I mean, not an afterthought, but they weren't the big fucking deal that they are now. Um, you know, but, but that, that was it. And and then you, you either went and saw it or you didn't. Now, after the fact, everybody was talking about The Matrix because it was a huge hit, right? Okay, but sure, but that was after it was proven. Now, like, everything's a fucking an event, the trailers are outright lies, and I've talked about this in the past on Sovereign Tech itself, I know, where it's to the point, now I don't believe in the legal system, but to speak conventionally for the everyday person, I think we should be able to sue Hollywood for lying about what these movies actually are, because these trailers are outright lies. And Disney might be the most egregious as far as this goes, not just with Marvel. I mean, maybe Marvel's a little honest, but more honest about it, but like certainly with Star Wars and some other ones, I mean, they are fucking lies and you don't get the movie that's in the trailers. I mean, a lot of times you don't even get scenes that are in the trailers and I, I, I there's no excuse. You know, like I, I dare say, I don't, again, I don't believe in legal action. I'm an anarchist, but if the, if I did, I would say you should, we should be able to take legal action, uh, against, you know, against these studios for selling us, uh, a bullshit product. Now, I mean, you can't sue them for like them making a bad movie. No, but you can sue them for not even giving you the movie that you thought you were paying for by watching the trailer. Now, maybe the only way that'd be possible is if you had to pay to see the trailer. Um, but I, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So um, I am just like, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of, oh, we have to talk about this scene in Shazam. Or, oh, Shazam is this great uh, exposition on, on, you know, childhood and how it relates to adulthood and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's a fucking comic book movie. <laughs> It should not have that kind of, like, n there's no way that that movie should be about that. You know, if, if I had to watch, like, a Superman movie and it was about the human condition or something like that, like, I, I are, are you kidding? No, I want to go watch a Superman movie. I want to go see Superman do his Superman thing. I mean, it's like they treat these... Look, I get it. Okay. Every movie since the dawn of time has in many ways been treated like it's this major event. It's the second coming of Christ or some kind of shit like this. Like I, I, I understand. Okay. I have some understanding anyway, you know, of, of how that exactly works. But I mean, you know, don't, don't we, re this is, this has been a, a tough pill for me to, to really swallow, but you realize, I mean, you talk to anybody you know, you ask them just about any question and many times you're going to get, you know, you ask 10 people the same question. You're going to get 10 different answers of some kind for something to, especially like Avengers Endgame, for something to get to make the kind of money that that makes and to do what it does for it to have that broad of an appeal. Doesn't that inherently mean it's like not necessarily deep and meaningful. Now I get it. I, I really do understand that at the same time, like I said, I want it to be just, you know, a, a superhero movie. But then, you know, not every superhero, uh, like, well, with comic books, okay, for example. Um, I used to be, you know, in the 90s, I was a huge, huge fan of, uh, of Iron Man. That said, I barely ever read the Avengers, even though Iron Man was in the Avengers. And it wasn't an issue that, like, I couldn't afford to buy, uh, you know, to buy the, the this month's Avengers comic and buy the Iron Man comic. It wasn't that situation um, at all. It's just... 
the Avengers, like that whole team concept didn't really appeal to me. And it was that way for a lot of people, just like there was the exact opposite where a lot of people bought Avengers comics, which is why the Avengers comics have pretty much never had a break in run, you know, as far as a break or a time frame where there wasn't an Avengers comic on the, you know, on, on newsstands, right. Or in comic book stores. As where with Iron Man, sure, there have been whole years where there wasn't an Iron Man comic because it wasn't selling, because it wasn't doing well. And this is kind of the rub, is that it shouldn't be possible for one movie to kind of do what these movies are really doing and for like everybody to, to sort of be on board with it. Because, I mean, the reason why there's certain comic books that wouldn't sell very well is because it wouldn't appeal to everybody. But then if it has some kind of deep meaning, if it's giving you something that is... I mean, if it's just dumbass entertainment and look, I mean, the comic book industry was never supposed to be dumbass entertainment. It was actually kind of supposed to say something like Superman was Superman and that's him doing a Superman thing. And I get that Shazam was never meant, was absolutely never meant to be a commentary on adults and, uh, you know, the relationship with children and all that stuff. I mean, none of that was just, that wasn't so, uh, there were comics that were meant to like probably something like Wonder Woman was actually originally designed to bring forward very real psychological, uh, concerns and issues and things like this. Um, I, you know, Captain America, a lot of the Marvel comics far more were about bringing up something very, you know, was, they were supposed to be about something or it was supposed to be kind of edgy and things like this. And that's not what these movies are at all. It's just, there's so much that's not, it's, it's not what the comic books are. Like it's really not. And that's fine. I accept that I'm not going to get the fidelity of the comic books in these movies. Like I, I understand, I, I, there was a time where I used to get really pissed off about that. I am so sanguine and, and just so calm and not caring about, about that fact, uh, anymore. You know, it just, that doesn't matter to me. Okay. That, that, you know, that, that the movies or the TV shows or whatever are going to be nothing like the comic books. I accept that. All right. I'm over that one, but to not even like hit it in the abstract, what some of these things were about, <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but also, I mean, just in the overall, and this is a very complex subject, but in the overall, no, a movie that's actually great and is like, is trying to say something or do something should not have like, by definition, cannot have broad appeal. I just don't think it can. I, I, because art means something arguably can mean something different for everyone. And but if everyone likes a, a specific piece of art, which one would suggest from the just insane money that Avengers Endgame has done, you know, if, if, if everybody can get something out of that, then it must be so vague and so not saying something that, you know, it, it, again, there's, there's, there's no, there's no forwarding conversation. There's nothing deep and meaningful going on there. And maybe, you know what, maybe that's just not my, it's so funny because I get told all the time that I am just into dumb, corny, mindless entertainment. I get told that constantly because of the shit that some of the shit that I enjoy, but then, you know, like th- it's unavoidable that, that that these movies to have to sell the way that they do to do the money that they do to have the broad appeal that they do, that they're not mindless, not saying anything real or serious or what, you know, you know, in it. I mean, that, that just, that, that can't, it can't be, they, they, they can't be both. There's, there's something wrong there. And I'm still kind of formulating all of that, but regardless, I am just, I am so sick of the entertainment industry. I feel like 
it's all pseudo meaningful. It's not, it's all pseudo deep. It's all pseudo psychological. It's not like there's nothing really being, I don't know, put, put out there. Right. I, I guess just to put it in summation, I'm talking for a while here and I feel like at certain points I'm talking both sides, talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. And that basically is, is that nothing should be like this popular that shouldn't be possible. Okay. Because if everybody's an individual, then their tastes, and you can say, you can look at the same picture. It's like a, like a, like a Rorschach painting or something, right. Where you, you, you know, you look at it and you only get out of it, what you get out of it. And it can mean a million different things to different people, but I, I don't buy that. Like I, these movies are not that way, you know, where, I mean, this isn't like, this isn't the work of, uh, you know, Jodorowsky or something like that. Where, 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 holy shit, what does that even mean? Like that, that, that is more like that. These are supposed to be very straight ahead. They have a very, they have a very simple meaning. I mean, it's, it's terrifying to, to look at like how many people watch game of Thrones. That is unfucking believable. You know, and you could say that it's just entertainment and it's appealing to a lot of like our, our, our simpler, uh, emotions and baser instincts and all of this. And so that's why anybody can watch it. But then at the same time, it, it can't possibly be really telling you something. Otherwise, you know, people would be up in arms about it and they, you know, you'd have the, the feminists would be getting mad or the, uh, I don't know the, the, whatever the MRA asshats would be getting mad or somebody should be getting mad and nobody's getting mad. They're just all consuming it, enjoying it and laying down their money. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of, of a quote from Mark Twain where he said, you know, as soon as you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And I, I just, I, I can't believe that like, like genre fiction, while I want more people to be into it and I want to find people that are into it and I want them in my life and I have found some, and I'm so happy uh, for that. But at the same time, I've never, even in my wildest dreams, have I ever imagined that everybody on planet fucking earth would watch Star Trek. Never did I ever expect that because I just know there's people that it's just not, it's not for them. It's not their thing as to where this stuff is getting like Avengers, the Avengers, you know, whatever Marvel's doing. Um, and this is even a problem within star Wars and believe me, I will critique star Wars just as much as I'll critique Marvel about this is that star Wars is trying to, it's just using like, like for example, with the first order where it's using the symbolism of fascism, but it's not actually commenting or talking about or, or getting deep on the concept of fascism itself, because if it did, people wouldn't be so willing to consume it because it would disturb them. And so I just, I, I'm very bothered at the popularity of this stuff. And I mean, it could be, you know, there's never only one reason, right? It could be just as simple as, well, the world has gone to shit, which in many ways it has. Thanks president Trump. Okay. Uh, amongst, you know, every other president, I mean, I'll blame them all. I don't care, but you know, the world has gone to shit. And, you know, Ayn Rand talked about this in Atlas shrugged where, you know, people ran to the movie theater just to get away from reality. And, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I mean, I like to get away from reality. I love to engage in escapism and live out some fantasies and, you know, and, and all of this. Okay. Like I, I really can appreciate that, but then also they're my fantasies. It's my escapism. It's my niche that I choose. And I just, I don't, you know, I mean, I love writing. I, I want to write so many books. I have so many books planned. You know, I can't wait to have it out there in the world. I never, ever, fucking ever expect to sell like Stephen King. And I know that I can't. 
And I don't need to either. That's a thing. I mean, you know, something you'll hear me talk about a lot on the Hard and Fast podcast. You've got some bands out there. Let, let's, let's list them off. You got like, uh, you have um, Iron Maiden, Dream Theater, Manowar. These are bands, a lot of people, yeah, most people know Maiden for whatever reason, but that's because of the satanic panic. But like Dream Theater or Manowar, you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people in America that would know who the fuck they are. Go to Europe. It's a very different story. Regardless of that in America, be very hard pressed to find people that know who they are. Okay. But are they hurting? Are they not doing well? Are they not living in, you know, fantastic houses and, you know, blah, 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 and whatever. No, they're doing great. Why? Because they found their niche. They found their however many thousand to hundred thousand to whatever amount of people that will just buy anything that they put out there because, you know, you feel that sense of community and understanding when you listen to their music or you consume their content or whatever. And that's good. That's a great thing. You know, I'm one of those for all three of those bands, actually. You know, I mean, I'll jump on whatever they put out there. But, you know, I mean, if Dream Theater, if like everybody fucking loved Dream Theater, I wonder about that. Like, like that, that, okay, wait a minute. How is that happening? That shouldn't happen. I understand why everybody loves Star Wars, because Star Wars at the end of the day is fucking meaningless and it just looks cool. Okay, now, if that's all Marvel's trying to be, then that's all Marvel's trying to be. But then I shouldn't be hearing about people, and I do hear this, and again, and, and this is where social media and journalistic outlets and all these people come in, is they come in and they start saying, oh, I cried during this scene and during this scene and blah, blah, blah. And that if, if it's just because it looks cool, those kind of statements should not be made about it. There's a massive disconnect here. There's, there's something like just not right. And I dare say like that, well, I, and I'm not saying it's like a grand conspiracy against humanity or something. I'm just saying that like, no, this doesn't like, I worry when there's this kind of mass appeal that just shouldn't be possible if it's something that has deep meaning to it. And I'm at the point in my life where, you know, I mean, yeah, I can appreciate things that are cool. Like I, okay. Jurassic park three, great movie. Why? Because it's a fucking dinosaur movie and it just has a shit ton of dinosaurs in it. I don't need a great plot. All right. I understand that. You know, that makes sense because that's where I can go to see a, a ton of lifelike dinosaurs. Okay. Maybe they didn't have feathers in it, unfortunately yet, but you know, science hadn't caught up to it at that point. Exactly. Okay. But then really, you know, Jurassic Park three is actually a great example of this because that's one where the people that got it, what the movie was trying to do. And that's what they wanted out of it is they just wanted to see a shit ton of fucking dinosaurs. Okay. Uh, they loved it and they enjoyed it. It was not a massive success, nor was it a critical success by any means. Um, and that just proves the point that that was a niche film, but I love that. I mean, I deeply love that movie because you know, that's what it is just at face value. There it is. It hits you. And that's, that's the point. Great. Uh, but I was going to, the point I was going to get into, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm all over the place here, but like, this is, this is stuff you're getting very stream of consciousness, golden stallion right now, because this is stuff I've been realizing pretty hardcore, especially when it comes to like star Trek discovery, because Fuck, there was a realization. I can't believe that I'm making fun of anything Star Trek. That should never happen. And it's happening, and that pisses me off. But I am, because it's horrible. <laughs> or at the very least, it's just not... And, and, and I'm Oh, man. Oh, I could get... I could, I could just go on forever about this. I could, I could get so lost on this. I don't want to say it's, like, horrible. You heard... If you've listened to Sovereign Trek, you know how I feel about it. But 
Well, fuck it. I like, I just got to wrap this up. Uh, cause I want to get into the other questions. If Iron Man was that fucking great, everybody should have been loving Iron Man in the nineties when I was in high school and I fucking read Iron Man comic books. But they don't. It's only now, and there's a problem there. I don't know if it's because the Marvel movies or Hollywood in general for the past decade has been pushing this horrible... Talk about one of the worst... You know, I know, speaking of Ayn Rand, she always warned... What was the... uh, uh, I forget which book it was. Maybe it was Anthem, or is it We the Living? I think it was Anthem. Where she warns about the word we. You know, saying the word we should never be uttered, right? If you read for the new intellectual, it's in there. No, no, no. Here's the word I'm scared to death of. United. I mean, that's a perfect word to be fucking afraid of because don't hop in their planes. Don't go to any country that has that in its name. You know, (laughs) every movie's like, we have to unite. We have to work together. Fuck no. And I don't know if people have just been like getting that hammered in their head of everybody together and, and, and where they're all uniting is sitting, sitting their asses down in the movie theater or, or what. I don't know. But there's something that just doesn't, it doesn't feel like art. It doesn't feel like entertainment to me. It doesn't feel special because I can't believe something is special and everybody loves it. Everybody. And again, I told you, like you could say, well, but you love Star Wars, Stallion. Yeah, I know. But I also admit Star Wars is totally about cool factor and it's about you creating your own adventures. What I love, here's the thing with Star Wars. Let me, let me, let me, let me just make this clear. If it weren't for Star Wars video games, which how many Star Wars fans actually play those? Hmm. If it weren't for Star Wars video games or Star Wars comic books or even the novels. And again, those sell pretty well, but also they they don't do near what the movies do, right? If it weren't for the extraneous parts of Star Wars, I would not love Star Wars. I love Star Wars because I felt like in 1994, I hopped into the cockpit of a TIE fighter and I went and I did the business against a bunch of terrorists, that being the rebels, the Rebel Alliance. That, you know, my thinking at the time. That's why I love Star Wars, because I got to engage in the universe, not because I just sat my ass down and watched a movie that might have been good for good enough for me at six years old. But it wasn't until you get characters like the greatest literary character of all time, that being Sherlock Holmes, who gets represented in the Star Wars universe as Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, Or it wasn't until, you know, I'm hopping into the cockpit of a TIE fighter in the TIE fighter CD-ROM game that that that's when I fell in love. Otherwise, I mean, Star Wars doesn't have half of, I'm up until very recently, and even then it's scant, it doesn't have sex, it doesn't, I mean, there's so many things where that, that I want out of my entertainment that's not there, and I can admit that, but I hold on to Star Wars because of all the things that I've done outside of the movies, you understand. So it's very different. I don't love Star Wars for the same reason, and, and I dare say really hardcore Star Wars fans, really hardcore ones are the same way as me. I mean, there aren't that many of us. And I know that for a fact because I can see the numbers on the Star Wars YouTube channel about how many people watch the Star Wars show. And it ain't nowhere near the amount of people that are fucking... And I'm not even saying that that's great a thing. There was a time where it was, but regardless, there aren't nearly that many people that are watching that, that are watching the trailer for the movie, that are watching the movies themselves and paying for the ticket sales and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just not... It's not so. So so there's, there's something off here, 
Okay. And I, and I'm still kind of putting this together. There is an audiobook that I want to read for Sovereign Tech First University called Simulation and Simulacra, uh, or Simulacra. And I, I've, I've talked about it. I think I've mentioned it briefly, but I think there's so much ironically. And if you've read the book, you know what I mean by it being by the irony here. There is so much, uh, uh, reality in that book. Yeah, I'm going to try it because there isn't an audiobook version of it. And if I have to do it, well, you know what I do. I, 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 I bring things into the world that I want to be in the world. I take personal responsibility for it. Unlike other people who, I mean, because people are going to say to me, oh, Stallion, you're just bitching and moaning. Or, no, I do something about what I'm talking about. And if it means I have to create my own goddamn entertainment, write my own books, I do it. Anyway. And I've been feeling that a lot lately where like, okay, you know what? No, I have to make my own entertainment. I have to bring out the stuff that I want to hear. And I'm not even saying it's great. It doesn't have to be great. Not everybody has to like it. You just, if you're like me and I don't expect there to be a lot of people like me, if any, but if you're like me, you'll enjoy it too. Good. And then I get to, at the very least, I just get to connect with somebody over the, uh, the, the, the emotion and the, the intellectual, uh, pursuits and, uh, passions that, that these, that, that the work that I get to put out there, uh, I like to think brings to four. So there you go. Anyway, <laughs> so no, no one has convinced me to see these movies. Though I did like Aquaman. Gotta admit, I very much liked Aquaman, but that was totally about, that was a style film. And I, I said as much, um, that that was, you know, total cool factor in a lot of that. But again, with Aquaman, nobody was coming out and saying they're crying in the middle of the movie. With Avengers, they're saying they're crying in the middle of the movie. Grown ass people. There's nothing wrong with crying in a movie. I cried at Forrest Gump. I cried during Star Trek II. I cry during movies. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, also, Star Trek II did not do the numbers that Avengers Endgame is doing. Nor did Forrest Gump. And even when you adjust for inflation, they're not doing those numbers. So, anyway, okay, let's move on to another question. I'm glad you're enjoying it. You know, if, if you're enjoying it, look. You know, one of the most beautiful memes that has ever been made, and I hate memes, but the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful memes that's ever been made is where it's the person whispering into the other person's ear. Somebody's complaining about something. Maybe they're complaining about Marvel movies. And the other person whispers in that person's ear and says, shh, just let people enjoy things. Okay, you go ahead. Please enjoy it. Don't listen to me. I am, I mean, I... I have a microphone so that my voice can be heard. These are how I feel about these things. And I'm coming from a position of somebody who comic, I I've said this so many times over the years on sovereign tech. If you cut me right now, go ahead, cut my wrist. It's going to bleed comic book ink. You understand? I love comic books. I love, I dig Marvel, DC, dark horse image, fuck cross gen. Well, Valiant, go ahead, start, start naming Boom Studios. God bless you. I'm sorry, Satan bless you. Okay, for making those Power Rangers comics you're doing, you are doing the Dark Lord's work. And I can't, I couldn't be happier about it. IDW, please give me a little more of that G.I. Joe. I am so on board. You understand? I love comic books. What I am getting on the screen is not my comic books. I accept that. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. And Jim Jesus knows I respect him and I, and, and I, I totally respect his opinion. So, and I know he's an intelligent guy. So anyway, um, let's, let's move on from that. Whew, uh, this is stuff that's been, been coming up for me, especially after watching the Batman quadrilogy again, because motherfucking a, you go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. <laughs> and I don't mean emotionally. I mean, you just look at the screen and you go, what the hell did I just see? I don't know what's real. 
<laughs> How can you put something with a bat symbol on it and it come out like a rolling turd down a hill? I don't know. I don't know how that happens. So let's move on. <laughs> Ooh, uh, okay, number two. <laughs> Speaking of turds, number two. <laughs> Here's the second question. <sighs> you seem to keep pushing back your potential Switch purchases on rumors that a smaller or a pro version of the Switch is coming soon. Yet every time these rumors get shot down by Nintendo's actions or press releases, Nintendo just, uh, or yeah, every time these get shot, shot down by Nintendo's actions um, or, or press releases. Okay. So I'm going to guess that this is in reference to, um, I know at E3, I think Nikkei was expecting Nintendo to announce new hardware at E3, which is coming up in June, 2019 here. Um, but Nintendo has said, no, they are not announcing any new hardware. Uh, I mean, just a quick comment on that. There's more to the question. I want to get to it. Just a quick comment on that. It would not be unheard of. And there is precedent for it because they've done this before where Nintendo will actually release new hardware either directly before E3 or directly after, you know, after they pretty much steal the show, because that's what Nintendo does. Um, so anyway, uh, let's, um, let, let me read on here. So I, again, the reason I bring that up is that, you know, Nintendo might still reveal a new, more portable minded switch, uh, you know, before or after E3, even though they've come out and said at E3, they're not coming out with new hardware. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Nintendo just confirmed. Yeah, here it is. Nintendo just confirmed that the latest rumors were also false by announcing there will be no new hardware to be shown at E3. Um, are you still joke? Are you still joking? Uh, or hoping? I think you meant hoping. Are you still hoping or joking? It hope it. Are you really that scared to get your ass handed to you? And, oh, <laughs> At Dr. Mario by me. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm never afraid of getting beaten at Dr. Mario because I, I know how, how many levels above level 20 that I have gotten to. So I, believe me, Jim Jesus, I cannot wait to take you on. I am, I am, I'm chomping at the bit to get you, <laughs> but I do love your goad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> here we go. Uh, also, have you done an obituary for the 3ds yet? As I'm checking this for autocorrect typos, I just got a notification that you came out with the new gaming grid episode. Forgive me if it's in there. So, okay. That's the end of question two. Now he did do a follow-up on question two, because then he must've listened to my most recent episode of the gaming grid where, uh, he says, and I'll, I'll go to that. Then we'll get to this other question. So here we go. Woo boy about question two. I should clarify what I meant by obituary after listening to the latest, uh, gaming grid. I don't mean that the console isn't worth playing, nor will people still develop games for it. Just that Nintendo has since moved on from developing or announcing new releases on it. And it doesn't look like they will be, uh, maintaining, or making any more units uh, soon. Of course, this is coming from someone who bought a few new Intellivision games that were made this decade. Speaking of which, what do you think of Earthworm Jim 3 being an Intellivision Amico exclusive? Um, I think that's dynamite. I, I, I want classic game exclusives all over the place. Uh, that Intellivision, I'm still hopeful for that one. Um, I know like I've been a little harsh on some retro consoles as late, but the Intellivision one, I'm still very uh, excited for that. So just to put that out there. But um, and, and we'll have a full conversation around the Intel, the new Intellivision when, um, you know, when that when that makes sense on the gaming grid or, you know, when the timing's right for that. Uh, so the obituary for the 3DS, well, if you heard what I said on the gaming grid, basically that like everybody's writing about that the 3DS is over. Um, I mean, Nintendo's own words, if we're going to believe Nintendo that they're not going to come out with a new, uh, switch at this time, 
Okay. Or in the very near future, which is what is be kind of being suggested. Uh, I mean, it's stated as fact that there won't be one at E3, but it's kind of suggesting there isn't going to be one anytime soon. Um, the, if, you know, if we're going to take that at face value, then also, you know, Nintendo is saying that the 3DS is perfectly stable like that. It, that it's, you know, it, it's, they're, they're going to keep maintaining. I mean, yeah, it's not like last year where they announced so many games for the system. Uh, you know, there was the, uh, the, what, the Mario and Luigi game that they announced, uh, it was kind of a remake, but then there was, um, you know, there's the Mario party 100 or whatever. I mean, there was a bunch, there was the, uh, remake of Luigi's mansion, which came out, uh, and of course, but really it seems like the last thing we've gotten from Nintendo for the three DS was, uh, Kirby's, uh, extra Epic yarn, which was incredible by the way. Uh, I mean, now there, there have been, was it limited run? I think is the name of the, of the game company limited run said they are going to make 3ds games, cartridge versions of them at that. Um, and, and, you know, Jim Jesus said, he knows that they'll, they'll still make games for it and, and everything. Um, I'm not ready to, I mean, is the 3ds done as far as like being supported by Nintendo first party? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm willing to, to concede that that they're probably not going to make any other new games for it. I mean, part of the reason they're re-releasing like GameCube and Wii games for it was because they know there's money to be made off of those games that they haven't ported from the Wii yet. And they need to port it from the Wii because Wii has shut down a bunch of its services. And now that's, a, you know, because the Wii did somewhat rely upon an online service where you can download the games and everything, um, you know, that in a way that's dead. It's not really dead. The Wii, I mean, isn't dead because you can still put in your disc games. It still makes a great GameCube. And also, uh, you know, you can hack a Wii to do amazing things. Okay. Uh, so it's still not exactly a dead system, but anyway, the reason they are porting like GameCube and Wii games to the 3ds is because they don't have to go through the remastering process of upscaling everything to, you know, to HD for the Nintendo switch. This is, I mean, again, I brought this up in the gaming grid. So many game players have no idea. They're like, why won't they port this to switch? Why won't they port this to switch? You know? And it's because they have to do an HD remastering of all of these games. And that's not the easiest or, you know, most inexpensive thing to do, but to just port it over to the 3ds. Oh, I mean, shit, you know, you don't have to go through that process. You add in some levels and you can sell it and, you know, you, you make a little buck off of that. It makes total sense for Nintendo to do such a thing. Um, but yeah, it does seem Nintendo has really backed off of that. I mean, look, since Luigi's Mansion 3 is coming out for the Switch, you have Metroid Prime 4 coming out for the Switch, a lot of this other stuff. I mean, it's pretty clear in Nintendo's eyes. Yeah, you could say the 3DS is, I, I wouldn't say dead. Life support, sure, it's on life support because the e-store the e is still functioning, right? The virtual console is still functioning. Um, when the day comes where those get shut down, then I'd be a little more inclined to say that the 3DS is dead. Um, but I still think, like, I just like, I don't think the PS2 is dead. I think the PS2 is still a totally viable system. I think the 3DS can go the long haul in that way as well. Um and I, I don't know. I don't want to do an obituary for any game system. I really don't. That's why I complain about these, like online, all this online only shit, because you know, it's going to die. It's art that's gone. And what a shame. So anyway, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, not ready to do an obituary in the 3ds. Uh, but I'll tell you when the time comes 
you are going to be a very sad man, Jim Jesus, when I get it, when you and I are playing Dr. Mario. Okay, you are going to choke on those pills, you understand? Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't know what you're dealing with. <laughs> man, it's tomorrow. Hell of a video gamer. Anyway, okay, no. Uh, but I can't wait to do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I re- But I really do want that more portable Switch. I, I just, I don't like having, I mean, I know that the Switch is already very portable, but if they are going to come out with one that has a bit of better battery life um, and doesn't even really need to connect to a TV, I'm so on board for that, you know? I mean, it'll probably still be able to connect to a TV, but just, yeah, I want something a little bit more. I really want to wait for that second generation. I'm, I'm really excited for this. So, uh, okay, let's let's get on to question three here. Uh, question three. I haven't been tuning into Sovereign Trek because I thought the first two episodes of, Dis- of Discovery, or Disco as he calls it, uh, were okay. The rest of the show was a dumpster fire. Comics and novels don't really interest me. I thought you were still enjoying it, but... Imagine my shock when you said you didn't like it. I was never into Star Trek growing up because of a deep-seated hatred, because I only saw it as a show that prevented me from seeing The Simpsons. Woo! Though, giving TNG and the Star Trek films another chance a few years back, I almost started to get hooked until I was persuaded by a friend to see the Orville. I really dislike everything Seth MacFarlane, but this might be the best thing on TV. Have you given it a chance yet? Also, have you seen this shit I made? And he had like a, a shirt that says Disco Sucks and whatever, which is great uh, for a million reasons. Actually, I don't mind Disco, like the music, you know, but I, I can appreciate the heavy metal attitude of Disco Sucks. And I can appreciate the entendre, of course. I mean, the entendre is disco music, the 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 point of it is that star trek discovery which is shortened to disco to keep it from being std because uh, <laughs> stds suck um the, the point <laughs> uh, saying disco sucks is that yeah the, the, the show kind of sucks um yeah i mean believe me i can't believe i'm saying it either that star trek discovery is is a dumpster fire and i really was giving it a chance and will i watch season three yeah you know what i take one for the team on sovereign tech or I refer, you know, Zomia one in general, like I'll be there to be the whipping boy, you know, to, I will be there to flagellate myself, not flatulate, though I'll do that too, but I will be there to, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to need prune juice to get through these shows. I will be there to, fl- <laughs> to flagellate myself by watching discovery season three. I will do this. Okay. So, so we can, we can break down Rob and I who look, even if it's something I don't like the chance to just, you know, shoot the shit with Rob Freebeard for, you know, a couple hours. I ain't, I'm not going to miss that for anything. Okay. Cause that is my brother. You know, I love the man. And, but anyway, yeah, it, it, it's, I get, I have not test. I have not tested the waters of the Orville. I have not had the time and I will get to it. Uh, and, and that's more than I've said in the past but I will genuinely like sit down and watch this show. Um, I will watch the Orville. I have heard the same thing, like the production team really, as soon as I found out, I mean, fuck Seth MacFarlane. I'm with you on that. But like when I found out that the production team is pretty much all the old school Star Trek guys that are behind the camera, that, that kind of sold me. That's the thing that actually convinced me to go watch that because that is very much the Nintendo seal of quality. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, in, 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 in science fiction terms, um, I, I am so excited to see that. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we don't have, I mean, I'd love to have some of the more of the writing team involved. Like I wish Michael Piller was still alive. You know, I think that guy, man, I think there's a lot to learn from that guy. 
You know, I, I think so much of his insights uh, into writing itself were were brilliant. Uh, the idea that writers are born, not made, I actually completely agree with that sentiment. Um, there, or, or, yeah, anyway, so it's a shame that, that they're not around. But the Orville, you know, and especially with what's with what's been going on with Discovery, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So, and I'll get back to you on that. But, uh, but yeah, I am really not, not happy with discovery. Uh, I mean the, the, the shuttlecraft bullshit alone. In fact, you know what? I finally got, and it only took like a year. I finally got the, the, uh, magazine from Eagle Moss for the enterprise from discovery, you know, Captain Pike's enterprise. It says right on the cover of the fucking magazine that the thing is like 460 meters long. Now, I know since I was a kid that, no, the Constitution class original Enterprise that Pike himself was in was only like 240 meters long. This thing is almost twice the size. How the hell are they going to shrink it down? Why why would you shrink a ship like that? Like, it it just doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you this, and and I was, I was probably going to bring it up on a future Sovereign Trek, but I'll tell you this here. I think, my personal opinion, is that they planned, okay, that being the production team uh, behind, you know, behind um, Discovery and all this. I think they were waiting to see what, like, they didn't know which direction they wanted to go. They were trying to make the show so that they could either have it be part of the Kelvin timeline or have it be part of the prime timeline. By halfway through the second season, I think they finally, and maybe it's because the deal got closed between Viacom and CBS or it got closed behind closed doors. And we just don't know about it yet that they're going to remerge. And so all of Star Trek's going to be under one roof again, which is probably why the franchise house that CBS announced for Star Trek was created, which I think is a good thing. Okay. But I think they were hedging their bets as to what the actual, like popular money-making Star Trek was going to be going into the future. And so they were, they were half expecting it to be the Kelvin timeline. And then they're like, Oh, actually the Kelvin timeline, this isn't going to work at all. We're not going to do Star Trek four. So, you know, all right, we're, we're just going to put this all in the prime timeline. And that's why they're going to send it all into the third season to, to make sense of that. Um, I mean, that, that's really what I, what I think that they were doing. And because of that, the show suffered uh, just drastically and dramatically. And dramatically, I mean, that's a double entendre. I mean, or, or not. A, yeah, that's a double entendre. I mean that in two ways. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's the more I think about discovery, the more I dislike it. So anyway, here's, uh, so let's move on from that. Um, question four, are you jelly? See other attached photo. And he basically, he got one of those, um, one up arcade machines where it's all the mortal combats. Yes. I'm quite jealous <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I look. I mean, those that know me, uh, one of my claims to fame in the gaming world is that I have done very well in the past in uh, global Mortal Kombat tournaments. Um, And I mean, I'm a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. Uh, So that... Yeah, I'm jealous of what you got there. I mean, that, that's that's phenomenal. It says, anyways, worms and hail Satan. So yeah, we're we're getting towards the end of our hour here for the Q and A. Um, hail Satan to you as well. And I mean, great great round of questions. I will get into watching the Orville, and I'll do a full review of it. And there's a good chance that I might love it. I mean, the things that I've been hearing from some people, it's it's pretty impressive what I'm hearing. And and I really was not. Like, I just wasn't excited about this at all, but then maybe I just need something in place to fucking fix, again, that dumpster fire that is Star Trek Discovery, you know? Um, I need that. I mean, I can rewatch, you know, uh, I can rewatch all the classic Star Trek. No one can take that away from me. 
Uh, and they really can't either because I have the goddamn Blu-rays. Woo! Shut up. T- take it off of all, all the streaming services. I don't care. I I, I got. I have offline playback. I have video files up the ass. Try and turn me down or shut me down. No way. So, you know, I know I can still go back and enjoy all that. And I mean, I've been re-watching those episodes my, honestly, my entire life. So, you know, what, what would be any different uh, now? There is no difference. So anyway, uh, yeah, I will check out the Orville, uh, you know, and, and eventually I will get a switch. Believe me, I will get it one day because at the very least, believe me when I say, you know, I'm going to want to play Metroid Prime 4. I still want to play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I still, you know, want to be on board with all that. The Zelda stuff coming out looks amazing. Um, I'm still, you know, I'll tell you though, with the switch, I'm still a little worried. Like these games, like even like Breath of the Wild and all this stuff, like they, they turn into not just lifestyles. They, like they, it, it feels, I worry that like, it's like World of Warcraft where it turns into your life. There's nothing wrong with the game becoming a lifestyle. You know, I mean, fuck TIE Fighter all the way. But I worry when it kind of like, I don't know, I, where, where it's so expansive and it just never seems to end and you don't get to take in other games a lot of times. I have a little bit of worry about that, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to try it. Does it, I mean, I, I've got to because I, I know how gorgeous it looks and how much fun it is. I, you know, I've heard from from some really trusted voices on the matter, and I'm, I'm really on board with it. So the Orville Switch, my time is coming, to put it simply. So, all right, let's get into our album of the week. We're still doing album of the week, even though we do the Hard and Fast podcast where I do album reviews. Got a beautiful uh, album review coming up in a very, I've already recorded it uh, in the soon to release Hard and Fast podcast or Hard and Fast podcast um, of the new Whitesnake album, Flesh and Blood. Holy shit, is that a, well, you listen to the review. You, you When it comes out, you can hear all about it. Um, but I have an album that actually, I didn't know it was going to drop on the same day as White Snake's Flesh and Blood. That was May 10th, okay? Um, that dropped, that blew my mind. And is going to, is, is certainly, if I was going to do a top eight albums of 2019, I guarantee you, while From Hell with Love by Beast in Black is going to be in that number one spot, and nothing could possibly tear that down. It's just not possible. This would easily be in the top eight, and it'd be pretty high in it, too. Um, This is from the band First Signal, and the album is Line of Fire. Just came out May 10th, 2019. Uh, This First Signal is basically, this is a band led by Harry Hess. For those that don't know Harry Hess, uh, he is one of my favorite musicians, uh, favorite singers as well. Uh, Right up there with guys like JoLynn Turner uh, and, and so on. I mean, like where Harry Hess goes, I follow. Uh, Harry Hess started off in a band called a Canadian hard rock band or metal band, whatever you want to go with, called uh, Harem Scarum. And Harem Scarum, their self-titled album, is, in my opinion, one of the best albums ever made. Uh, Harem Scarum would go through, while they would continue to be popular in Canada and Japan, all the way up until really, I mean, to, to, to today. Uh, and they've still made albums into 2014. In fact, they they had an album with that with the, the title of that horrible word, the word being United, but whatever, the album was good. Uh, Harry Hess, tremendous voice, great style. Uh, he has his own, but he's, he's done like kind of quote unquote self-titled albums, or, you know, he has a band that's just called Hess um, that he puts out there. Those are okay, a little softer, but he created a band called First Signal a few years ago, and this is their third album, where he's sticking with the classic harem scarum sound. The thing is, Harem Scarum, again, stayed a big deal and is still a big deal in Japan and Canada, but they became a big deal with a lot of their 
newer sounds as they experimented over the years. Like there was a couple albums where they actually changed the name of the band to Rubber. I know it's weird, but whatever, it's there. Um, and a lot of those songs are very, very popular. And, and this is another case where like people don't realize like a, a band like Firehouse, one of my favorite bands, uh, Firehouse is still was still making new music up until a few years ago was still huge around the world just in america because americans have no taste whatsoever um you know they they weren't doing anything here but everywhere else they're still writing hits you know and it's the same thing with harem scarum so anyway they but to get back to that classic sound and so harry hess didn't have to deal with the rest of the band saying no we don't want to play the classic stuff or not not play the classic stuff but play the classic style he made his own band first signal at least that's how i imagine the conversation kind of went um and the past couple albums have been good they've been good and good attempts and dare i say better than recent harem scarum work even though harem scarum's recent work is still great um but the production value wasn't exactly there. I don't know. And it wasn't exactly feeling like the classic, especially like the first Harem Scarum album or even like Mood Swings, their second album. But this one, Line of Fire, this sounds like classic Harem Scarum. And it opens right, you even get some synth in there. I mean, this sounds like a product right out of late 80s, early 90s. It is perfect. And it is track for track. I haven't been able to say that in a little while. It is absolutely track for track. Everything on there is awesome. The opening track, Born to Be a Rebel, uh, great chorus, great hook. She's Born to Be a Rebel. Oh, it's such a badass song. You know, uh, I love it when, when you know, you get a guy singing about women that way. It's fantastic. Uh, a Million Miles, you'll be humming that chorus. You'll be singing that chorus all day long if you hear it. I, I have to stop myself from, you know, just, just, just serenading you right now by singing this song because it's so stuck in my head. I love it. Uh, last of my broken heart tonight. We are the ones. I mean, there's just every song on here is phenomenal. This is a great, great album and a very real return to form for, to the sound of harem scarum, which was a very perfected version of melodic hard rock. In my opinion, uh, first signal just delivers it here. Harry Hess is, you know, he got it. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he went and meditated in Tibet for six months and then, you know, stopped off in Japan and I don't know, got a blowjob from a few, you know, Japanese gals or something. And then said, yes, I remember how to make great music. Woo! I don't know if he did that or what, but if that's what it took Harry Hess, do it again, because this album was fucking dynamite. I mean, awesome. So check it out. Uh, Line of Fire is the name of the album. Just came out very fresh. And I, I mean, you're, but even though it just came out in 2019, you're going to think out, you think it came out in, uh, I don't know, mix the dates a little bit. Well, you know, you can't really do that. Okay. You're going to think it came out in 1989. How about that? And, but with a, a more modern uh, uh, polish, shall we say, you know, where it sounds like a, it sounds like a modern production room is my point, because sometimes you listen to albums from the eighties and if they haven't been remastered, they sound a little washy maybe or something like that. Not the case here. So it's, it's the best of all worlds. And Harry Hess really delivered with first signals line of fire. Check it out. Anyway, that's it. I'm going to wrap up this Wednesday Q and a, uh, had a lot of fun talking about all the geeks, geeky stuff. And, uh, well, we didn't really get into much tech, but whatever. Anyway, you know, if you wanted me to talk tech, you just email me and I'll talk about whatever you want me to talk about. So go for it. Anyway, I will see all of you woo, on the other side.